getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him, you love him, as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, it was a tumultuous Monday. I mean, Mondays are usually pretty busy in terms of Broncos news, no matter where we're at in the in the season schedule or whatever, but... This particular Monday, I got to admit, I didn't quite see it coming, the cuts that happened. And, of course, we're going to break it down here in just a few minutes, but an eventful uh, morning. It was, and I, I didn't see this coming either, Chad. I thought they would try to get through this next week in the last preseason game, and then the cuts would start coming after that. But they want to give these players a chance to latch on with other teams a week early, and I commend them for that. That's a nice gesture on their part. They didn't have to do that. And uh, they're starting to pare down their roster now. They're going to have a lot more uh, tough decisions ahead of them, though. I mean, this is a thing where there's so many injuries and so many different things up in the air that they're just trimming the the fattest of the fat right now. They still have to get down to the bare bones of it. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, so if you take the 37 players that are going to be cut by the Denver Broncos, you know, counting the three that were released on Monday, total they're going to cut 37. Times that by 32 teams. You have 1,100 players. Is that right? 37 times 32. You have almost 1,200 players that are going to be hitting the waiver wire next Saturday. So the Denver Broncos are definitely, I think, by releasing who they released on Monday, we'll get to that here in just a minute, as you said, trying to do those guys a solid because it's a lot easier to get noticed and perhaps latch on when you're one of maybe a dozen cuts across the league than one of 12 freaking hundred, right? right. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, they're kind of singled out in, in this newswire. There wasn't a whole lot that went on today after the luck bomb. And, uh, yeah, they um, hopefully they get an opportunity. There, there's some veteran you know experience in there. There's some good players in there. And uh, the Broncos did a thing they didn't have to do. And hopefully they're working up their good karma because they kind of hit them in a bad way this summer. Well, we're going to get to those cuts here in just a second. We're going to talk also about some really interesting comments that came Vic Fangio's way 
by three of the hottest young offensive coaches in the NFL. We're going to get to all that here in just a second. But first, a quick reminder, make sure you are following the show on Twitter, especially if you're new to the show. The reason why, that's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the Huddle Up podcast in real time, at Huddle Up Pod. Also, a reminder to all of you listening, go to iTunes right now. If you have not left us a creative review and a five-star rating yet, you can get in on the giveaway that we're doing this month and uh, leave a review. Tell us how we're doing. We want your feedback. Give us a five-star rating if you're liking what you're hearing. And then on September 1st, we are going to randomly draw a name from one of our awesome listeners who left a review in the month of August and give away some swag. So go get that done. And by the way, Zach and I have talked about it. This is something we're going to do month in, month out. We're starting it here in August, so go take care of that. And all of you on YouTube, we love you. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't forget to subscribe. So many of you are listening. About 30% of you are listening but not subscribing. Not sure I understand that, but go ahead and take care of that. Hit subscribe. You can click the notification bell, the whole nine yards. Fantasy football fans, you got to listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million in real money. It is absolutely enormous. It's huge. It's season-long. But there's no management. You just set it, you forget it. So instead of agonizing over your lineup every single Sunday, Draft does the analysis for you, gives you the most efficient, best odds to win your matchup lineup week in and week out. You do a draft, 16 weeks later, you could be a millionaire, literally. It does not get any easier than that. It's the highest rated fantasy app, and it's available on the App Store and Google Play or you can just go online to draft.com. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on Draft. Also, a phenomenal way to support the Huddle Up podcast. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to draft.com and come play free with promo code HUDDLE. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, let's get to the bloodbath, if you will, from Monday morning. First and foremost, what happened was the Denver Broncos announced that they had released Zach Kerr, defensive lineman, and then also the draft day trade Dakota Watson, outside linebacker, two veterans. And then later on in the day, Nick Williams, the wide receiver who was signed, I think it was July 26th, uh, the six-year veteran was uh, released. So, Three surprise cuts, none of which were like, you know, future slash uh, undrafted rookie caliber guys. These were all veterans. So, again, going back to what we were talking about, I think that was one of the reasons. Once the Broncos had decided that these guys weren't making their roster for one reason or another, they're doing them what small amount of a solid they can 
in the face of you know firing them by doing it now. So first and foremost, though, let's talk about Zach Kerr because this is the one actually that surprised me the most because, of course, Zach Kerr originally arrived in Denver in 2017 on the heels of the Vance Joseph hire, two-year deal, and he played it out as a depth rotational player, was never really maximized the way I think he could have been under Vance, the Vance Joseph Joe Woods regime. So the Broncos, though, they let him hit free agency this past spring, tested the waters, came back with what he was getting in terms of offers and, and whatnot from around the league, re-signed him to a relatively modest two-year deal. I don't know, six hundred k was guaranteed, or maybe that was just the signing bonus. I think that was the full guarantee at signing. And uh, so it cost him six hundred grand to keep him around for six months, basically, Zach. But that one surprised me because he was one of the five D linemen that I viewed as basically a shoe-in by virtue of the fact that the Broncos just re-signed him and paid him, basically. To see him cut, I think the implication, we'll talk about what Fangio said here in just a minute, but the implication has to be that the that guys like Mike Purcell, who's the only other big beef space eater guy uh, in the middle of that defense, and Deshaun Williams have played so well that uh, they, they, they like what they saw from them and the upside potential there over the relatively known quantity that is Zach Kerr. Yeah, Chad, I, I mentioned this in the last the last podcast, in the reaction podcast to the, the last game. Uh, Purcell really jumped out on tape. He, he penetrated really well in the backfield and, and exploded to the ball carrier. And I just think he has a higher ceiling on a down-and-down basis than Zach Kerr, who is a good run stuffer, but that's pretty much it. He offers no pass-rushing prowess. I'm not saying Mike Purcell is the next you know, Lawrence Taylor. I, I just think he fits better in the system, and he's taken to Fangio's system uh, better than Kerr, who is more of a Vance Joseph player. I'm not totally surprised by this move, and I think it, it adds a little versatility to the whole Broncos defensive line. And when you look at, at the whole group, they have a veteran in, in, you know, in Derek Wolf and Adam Gossis. They have key versatile players in Draymond Jones and Marcus Walker. And they have a guy in Mike Purcell now and potentially Deshaun Williams if they keep him in two big run stuffers who can also get to the quarterback and provide some more interior pressure. I like it. I actually agree with the move. And both of these moves were made, and they had to be made because they were so pressed up against the salary cap, Chad. They cleared about three million, I believe it was, yeah. and they had two point six in remaining cap space before uh, these moves were made. They had to make them, and uh, I agree with Kerr at least. See that I'm not sure yet that I agree. Today I'm kind of torn because I think Zach Kerr he showed it during his his young career in, in Indianapolis that he had some intriguing upside, and again I think that he was never really utilized to his utmost. In the two years he, the two full seasons he was in Denver under Vance Joseph, and I'm just not convinced yet that the duo or either of Mike Purcell or Deshaun Williams, we'll see if both those guys end up making the 53, but are going to be a better option. However, the silver lining, and I can't disagree here, is that it does free up cap space because the Broncos have just been ridiculously cap strapped. Um, especially coming out of, of the draft and all their free agent signings. I mean, they were they were cutting it close to the quick. Now, Dakota Watson, another surprising one, because what did the Broncos give up in that draft day trade? Wasn't it a, a fifth-round pick? Yeah, and I think the, uh, the Niners gave back a, a sixth, which they used for Winfrey. Right. So why did you waste that pick? That's right. I don't understand that. Like, uh, I don't well, know. To me, it's the emergence of uh, Malik Reed and Justin Hollins, who, again, two players who flashed in last week's game. I I also don't like the fact, Chad, I agree with you, that they gave up compensation for a guy and four months later, almost to the day, cut him and, and, and gave that pick up for nothing. 
But on the plus side, when you have two young players start to develop ahead of schedule and you're cutting a veteran for those players, it's kind of a good problem to have. I'm not happy that they don't have much veteran experience in their backup core now. I mean, he was at least a veteran presence in the locker room. He played two positions, and I like Malik Reed. I like Justin Hollins, but they are young players. Bradley Chubb is a young player. You're pretty much left with just uh, Von Miller and that outside linebacking core to coach the uh, other backers. So, yeah, the compensation kind of bite, you know, it, it bugs me, it bites, but I like the fact that you have younger players developing and they're more explosive and have higher ceilings than what Watson brought to the table again. Yeah. Yep, and that's fair. I mean, Malik Reed has been a revelation, but we knew that Justin Hollins, barring a, you know, just completely tanking it as a rookie, was going to make this roster as a fifth round pick. And I think what really tanked Watson more than anything was just the roster, Matt, the way this thing is, is going to have to shake out for the Denver Broncos, just from a numbers perspective, because by carrying Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Malik Reed, and Justin Hollins as your four edges, it also gives you an additional firepower piece for your off-ball linebacker depth in Hollins, because we don't know exactly how those numbers are going to shake out with Todd Davis behind schedule on his recovery from that calf injury, mm-hmm. his availability for week one is in doubt officially it really is we don't know if he's going to be ready to go for that Raiders game so you got him Josie Jewell's been banged up but I think he's going to be fine Joe Jones is in the weeds right now we don't know what's going to happen quite yet with him then you got Alexander Johnson Jamal Carter Josh Watson uh and Keisha area area, right and those numbers there I mean last year the Broncos carried a whopping six off-ball guys just straight off-ball guys on the active roster coming out of camp, I think it's safe to say they're not going to do that again. And one of the reasons why is they're basically carrying three true edge defenders plus a utility guy in Hollins that's going to do time on both sides. It's a it's great, great point, Chad. And it's the same reason why I like Jamal Carter and what he brings at inside linebacker now. I'm not saying he's locked into a spot far from it, but he can also play safety too. So if you keep him on the roster, you're getting a guy who plays two positions and is also a good special teamer. And, you know, not to segue into a different conversation, but they can't have enough good special teamers on this team. But yeah, you're right. If they keep those four, at least you get a, a an additional guy moonlighting at inside linebacker and outside linebacker. I don't want to put too much on his plate, though. That's my only thing. It's still overloading him. He looked good in one preseason game, but I'm not ready to also say he's some starting caliber player just yet. He's he's made some bad mistakes this preseason, too, and I don't want to DeMarcus Walker him with playing two positions. I hope he blossoms well, but it, it's just as unfortunate, like you said, Chad, the roster's math and the injuries and all the things that happened, it makes – um, these decisions that much more difficult, and you have to cut veteran players at positions that you don't really have the luxury to do so. Yeah. We're going to talk about Nick Williams here in just a minute. We'll go a little bit deeper into that. But first, while we're still on the topic of the these defensive guys, let's. I want to bring to our listeners' attention what Vic Fangio had to say about the moves on Monday. And basically he was asked whether he has anybody in particular in mind to fill either of those two spots that you know they released, the defensive line spot and the edge defender spot. Quote, on the D-line, I think Deshaun Williams and Mike Purcell have done well for themselves, so we'll see how it goes. Close quote. Well, that leaves what about Demarcus Walker, which was the follow-up question. He said, quote, yeah, he's done well for himself also. Close quote. And then one more. They dug a little bit deeper on Purcell, wondering whether or not he's a versatile guy. Can he play multiple positions on the D-line? Fangio, quote, he can play anywhere along the line because he can do it mentally. He's strong enough. He's not ideally suited to be an end, but he can do it in a pinch. So, close quote. So what that means, I think, Zach, is they're 
they're projecting ahead the defensive line to to be thus. Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, Adam Gotsis, there's your starting trio. Draymond Jones is one of the backup ends. Mike Purcell is the backup nose tackle. Who's going to be that other backup end? Is it going to be Demarcus Walker? Is it going to be Deshaun Williams? I don't think the Denver Broncos are going to carry both Williams and Walker. I think backed into a corner, they're going to give Walker one last swing, one last opportunity, and Williams is probably going to be, alas, one more casualty here in Denver yet again. I think this will be the third year in a row. Maybe I'm wrong. It's at least two in a row that he didn't quite make it out of camp onto the active roster. But I guess there's still a chance, too, Zach, they might carry all three. I just think if they do that, it's a position of strength. You're going to go even – you're going to go um, – what's the word? You're going to go over on a position of strength. Okay, fine. But now you're going to go light at another position. So I think you got to pick two from those three guys, Walker, Purcell, Williams. Right now my money's on Purcell and Walker. Uh, I'm right there with you. And, and Williams isn't a good enough player, Chad, where you have to keep him. He's, he's pretty ordinary, and there's a reason why he was left off the 53 under Vance Joseph, who knew him from Cincinnati. I just don't think you're, he's worth keeping on the roster over someone like Mike Purcell and, you know, especially the other players they have. But in, in terms of, of defensive end, they have so much versatility now. I mean, you can play Walker there. You can try Draymond Jones there. You can even try Bradley Chubb with his hand in the dirt. You never know what Vic Fangio is going to do to maybe compensate for the lack of depth at defensive end. I just know with all the players they have, they can certainly manufacture some pressure. They can certainly make it work. They're just so versatile along the line with so many players that they have already. The thing with Nick Williams, let's kind of transition there, is that he was brought in and you know placed on a depth chart in which the Broncos are really strong at wide receiver. So his only hope, and I'm sure this was conveyed to him, when he signed with the Broncos was to distinguish himself as a punt returner. And I wouldn't say he was bad at all. Like he, I can't at least off the top of my head, think of him muffing a punt or anything like that, unless I miss my mark. If so, remind me of it. But he just wasn't able to separate. No one has at that position. That's one of the big unanswered questions for this team right now, special teams in general, but especially the punt returner. We have no clarity there. And unfortunately for Nick Williams, he just, you know, if he was going to make it, he was going to make it as the sixth guy, and he was going to do so because he brought, you know, dual utility. He could play specials as a returner. He could run down kicks. He just wasn't able to distinguish himself, and and that really is what it boils down to. I mean, it's unfortunate, but he was just a pretty ordinary player, and he didn't stand out. If he would have brought one of those punt returns back to the house, Chad, he would have been... I wouldn't say locked into a spot, but he had a pretty good chance. But he didn't really do anything that spectacular. And um, I, he was never going to make the final roster. And he was right in going to the Broncos and saying, listen, you're not going to keep me. I'd like to latch on elsewhere. I think I have a shot. And I, I hope he I hope he does well. You know, to me, what stood out to me about him after watching Isaiah McKenzie and Brendan Langley, he had at least sure hands. He didn't do much with the ball, but that can't be undervalued. And in terms of the punt return competition, what I'm starting to think is that no one is standing out. They've tried so many different players. You have to look at the common denominator here. And I don't want to point fingers at Tom McMahon, but, you know, maybe we're starting to blame the wrong people here. And maybe Williams was a scapegoat for that. But they have to get that fixed. They have to find a guy. He wasn't going to make it a receiver. wasn't going to make it a power returner. No spot for him. And, and both did the right thing in their respective moves. I'm working on an article, and so I'm going to tease it a little bit here. I'm not going to give the whole thing away. But I see three positions currently, three spots on the 53-man roster that the Broncos are going to probably have to go outside the team off roster to fill, to resolve. 
And that punt returner, I think, is going to be one of them. I think of that twelve hundred, nearly 1,200 players who are going to be hitting the wire uh, on Saturday, I think the Broncos are going to be combing through for the next best option to come in and provide any kind of modicum of a slight upgrade at the punt returner position. So stay tuned for that article at milehighhuddle.com. It is coming. But meantime, we have another topic we want to get to here. Really interesting ESPN article by John Kime interviewing Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur. LaFleur, of course, the new head coach in Green Bay. We're going to dive into what they had to say about your new head coach, Vic Fangio, on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach. So this was a very illuminating article. Uh, For more reasons than one, I would suggest all listeners go read this ESPN article by John Keim. On milehighhuddle.com, you can see kind of uh, the article that Carl Dummler wrote riffing off of this and kind of reacting to what these coaches had to say. Follow the link there to the ESPN article. You can read the full article because not only are they going to talk about Fangio, which we'll address here in just a second, but these are all, you know, coming off the Shanahan tree coaches, offensive young guys who basically Rich Scangarello is trying to emulate, right, as the new offensive coordinator. So a lot of interesting takeaways and insights from this three-headed interview basically from that John Kime did at ESPN. But here's what I want to get to. He was asked, each one of them I should say, they were asked, what it, who was their toughest, who's their toughest opponent coaching-wise to go against? Each one of them without fail said Vic Fangio. And I want to go through each one and we'll react, Zach. So let me start with LaFleur. Again, the new head coach in Green Bay working with Aaron Rodgers. He said, quote, there are so many guys and every system is different, but I look at Vic Fangio, just the fronts and the multiple looks you get from him. That's incredibly difficult. Shoot, Indianapolis last year, we knew exactly what they were going to do to us, and we didn't have a lot of success because they were so sound. They stuffed the run out of a two-safety defense and played extremely fast. So what he's trying to say there, close quote, what he's trying to say is that they played Indianapolis. They knew what was the Tennessee Titans, which is where he was last year. They knew what they were going to see from Indianapolis's defense. They played them straight up, but because they executed, it was still difficult to to beat them. Whereas with Fangio, he just throws the different fronts, the multiple looks, and as as Lafleur says there, Zach, it's incredibly difficult. It is, and that's why I was mentioning the fact that you know they they may lack a defensive end in certain positions, but with Vic Fangio and the and the mad scientist and him being this guru, he's going to cook up all sorts of schemes and all different ways to move around these players and maximize production and do what's best for the Broncos' defense. 
already to see this praise, you know, I see it in front of me, these quotes, and they get more and more, uh, you know, over the top and more and more, uh, you know, praiseworthy and, 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 and positive. But the fact that it's opening up with the new head coach and he already compared him and, and held him to that standard, uh, that, that says a lot about what the Broncos have in Fangio. Let's jump over here to what Mr. Kyle Shanahan had to say. Quote, My hardest has probably always been Vic Fangio. He does so many things with his personnel groupings that he puts you in a bind with protections. He ties a lot of stuff together. Playing against him, I feel he packages stuff very similar to how I would think. Bill Belichick is very similar. They do it in a different style. You know, they don't just run their defenses. They figure out what you're doing, and then they think about how to stop what you're doing, and that's very similar to how I am. I don't just run my offense. I have no idea what I'm going to call until I know what defense I'm visualizing and trying to attack. It's fun. Close quote. Your thoughts on Shanny there? I mean, how could you see that and not be excited about what you have in Vic Fangio? This is why, in hindsight, it it was smart of the Broncos to pass on Shanahan's father and, and Joe and resist Ellis's overtures and not bring back Mike Shanahan because it turned out the fact that you're going to get the next defensive head coach genius for the next 10 years, hopefully, your next own personal John Madden and Vic Fangio, a guy who's going to establish his brand in Denver and really prove all this praise correct. It's not just fluff. This is what Fangio has done year in and year out, no matter where he's gone. And he's been kind of under the radar. He's turned out head coaching opportunities. He's kept to himself. Everyone knows now he's a low-key old school guy. But now he's in the public eye, and everyone's starting to see and experience a Fangio defense, and it's just so exciting for what the Broncos have for the future. All right, one more here from Mr. Sean McVay. Needs no introduction from us, but one thing I do want to say to set the stage for his remark here is McVay went head-to-head with Fangio last year when the Rams played the Bears, and it was the lowest scoring. Not only did the Rams lose, it was the lowest scoring output from a a McVay-coached Rams team since he joined, of course. So Fangio smacked them down. They only scored six points. Bears scored 15, emerged victorious. Here's what McVay said. Quote, for us, I think Fangio and the Bears did an outstanding job of a sound scheme with versatility mixed with great players. And clearly what New England did down the stretch was impressive. Those are the two defenses that gave us the most trouble. I thought the Saints were excellent as well. So he's throwing in a couple other ones there. Dennis Allen in New Orleans and, of course, Bill Belichick. But it was Fangio in the regular season anyway that flummoxed the Rams. And then, of course, Bill Belichick embarrassed him on the biggest stage. And it's so funny because people at first criticized or at least were surprised by the fact that Elway went against the grain and didn't hire a Zach Taylor or didn't hire a young offensive mind. He went with an old defensive coach and and defied common day NFL logic and it's worked out for you know the Broncos at least on paper and at least to this extent uh, everyone wants the next Sean McVay and you're seeing there a quote from Sean McVay praising the guy the Broncos just got like I said it's just exciting that already established coaches who people hold in the highest regard are turning around and then first you know just gushing about what the Broncos rookie coach is already doing and what he can do what he has done and what he brings to the table it's just very exciting I cannot disagree, and I want to just really quick we're, – we're still on the same topic of this trio of offensive coaches. I want to shift gears just really quickly onto the topics of coaching quarterbacks because each one of these guys in their own way are considered quarterback gurus for the modern NFL. And they were asked, of course, by John Kime, with quarterbacks, what is your deal breaker, the trait you cannot tolerate? 
and there, there's two points he talks about here with quarterbacks that I want to address and, and kind of try to project or juxtapose that with what we know about Drew Locke. Here's what Shanahan said about the deal breaker, the trait he cannot tolerate in a quarterback. Quote, if a guy is scared to get hit, he has no chance to play in this league. You have to use your brain, and there's so much going on in the heat of battle. Your mind has to be clear when the ball is snapped to understand coverages and throw the ball in tight windows to get the ball to the right spots. Close quote. Now, here's what LaFleur said, the deal breaker with quarterbacks. Quote, I look for natural throwers, just smooth, fluid deliveries. The greatest throwers of all time do it in their own way. There's a natural throwing ability amongst most of the great players to ever play the position, the Bradys, the Rodgers. That's one of the things when I started evaluating college quarterbacks coming out, I look and see if they have a natural throwing motion. If they don't, I lose interest pretty quickly. And then McVay's deal breaker, quote, the biggest thing is consistent accuracy. I'm looking for accuracy, timing, and location, and give guys a chance to run after the catch and being able to change the arm angles. That's number one, close quote. All right, so those three things being said, how many do you think Drew Locke checks each one of those boxes at this point, or do you think it's too early to say, or how many of those boxes do you think he checks? I mean, I was screaming in my head, all that sounds like Drew Locke, Chad. I mean, it would explain why the Broncos have gotten him killed behind these second and third team offensive lines. If they want, and if Fangio's taking his cues from from coaches that want quarterbacks to get hit, it all sounds like what Drew Locke can offer: natural arm talent, a tendency to um, overcome being rattled, and his mental processing is not there yet. But the Broncos obviously think he can be uh, in that elite level franchise quarterback tier for the future if they just develop him correctly. But yeah, it all screams Drew Locke, and that's why he's the future of this franchise. And that's why we both implored Denver to get him as many reps as possible and let him put all those things on tape and build from that and not waste your time with other quarterbacks. It's another subject, but again, it's just encouraging that you have that potentially defensive genius, you know, guru and and Vic Fangio already on staff. You have your potential franchise quarterback already on staff. You have two of the biggest pieces possibly in place. That should excite Broncos fans more than anything. Absolutely. All right, last thing I want to touch on that these three had to say is the most difficult thing to get rookie quarterbacks to learn is what? Shanahan says, quote, how to play in the pocket, especially for guys now. A lot of guys don't hold on to the ball long in college. You don't do as much play action, especially in the pre- the spread systems. And the defensive lines don't even rush, except at a few of these big schools because they're so tired and there are so many big plays. So for Shanahan, it's about playing in the pocket. McVay says, quote, the intricacies of what a defense could present, how it affects decision-making based on situations. The game has so many. A game usually has 65 to 75 snaps, and the amount of different things based on the situation and the defensive coordinator, it's a lot of information. So what he's saying there in terms of what the, the most difficult thing to get rookie quarterbacks to learn is just processing, right? The Being able to process what you're seeing and, and play fast. And then LaFleur says, quote, You get in this league, and now you have to step in the huddle, and depending on the system, the play calls can get verbose. That challenge of trying to teach them the command that needs to happen within the huddle and being a master of cadence. A lot now use silent counts or claps when they want want the football. We always talk about this, that the cadence for an offense is a weapon. It's an art, and it's an art you learn over time. How do you become a master of? of a cadence close quote so three interesting looks at what each coach thinks is the hardest thing for a, 
a rookie quarterback to grasp. And I think, Zach, it's pretty fair to say that each one of those three attributes are are ones that Drew Locke is slowly, he's struggled to master, but I think he has shown throughout this summer before he got hurt that he's making progress with each one. He has, and, and he's shown glimpse, glimpses of why he was a second-round pick who the Broncos were ecstatic to get in that round. A guy who was a potential top-10 pick at one time, a potential face of this franchise for the next decade. That's what Drew Locke can be, and that's what we've been saying for months now. If they just handle him correctly, he's getting there. He's been improving every single week. Unfortunately, this injury just throws a wrench into all the plans with the short-term and the long-term. But, you know, for a year down the road, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I wouldn't say, is a totally unrealistic projection for what Drew Locke can bring to the table, at least in charge of revitalizing the franchise and bringing back hope under center and putting fans in the seats. I think he can do that. Amen, brother. Well, hey, you guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. The Building Broncos fellas will be back in the saddle with a, a scout's eye preview of some sort tomorrow, Wednesday. Now, I don't envy them, Zach, because how are you going to scouts I preview a boring, lackluster, <laughs> meaningless fifth preseason game? I mean, this fourth one was hard enough to watch, right? Right. Fifth one? My goodness. I mean, they might just end up doing some kind of a roster projection or predicting the 53 or something. And if they do, count yourselves lucky because who needs to – I mean, you're not going to see any ones in that game. You're not going to be seeing Kyler Murray. The real scouts I preview is where they really start getting down to the nitty-gritty and helping to educate you, the listener, on your the coming opponent each week. That's going to start, of course, next week. But stay tuned for that episode tomorrow. Meanwhile, I want to remind everybody – Go over to iTunes, leave a creative review. I guess it's Apple Podcasts now. Give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing and enter by doing so into the drawing. We're going to give away some Mile High Huddle, some Huddle Up Pod swag on September 1st randomly to someone who left a review on our Apple Podcast page in the month of August. So look at that. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman. NFL and myself at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned. We'll see you on the other side of Hump Day for Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.